welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 1 at verse 1. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 1 of chapter 1 of the letter to the Ephesians, where Paul writes this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. So we find here the uh, not only the opening in the first two verses that uh, is normally found in uh, most of Paul's epistles, uh, but uh, also the opening remarks uh, in the very first part of this book. And for the sake of simplicity, you can easily divide the book of Ephesians into two main categories. And that uh, first category uh, is chapter one through three, and that is the doctrinal section of this book. Uh, that is where we uh, find the teaching, the instruction, and um, it is good for us to be established in that so that we are prepared for the second half of the book. And the second half is chapters 4, 5, and 6. And that is the practical side of the book. And that is how we are to apply what we know to be the true. Uh, to be the truth. And uh, so that's generally speaking the outline of the book. We'll get into more details a little bit later, but uh, for the sake of uh, the message today and this particular episode, we want to look at this opening, uh, and that includes the author, of course, and the assembly he's writing to, the, the church he's writing to, the, the gathering of Christians, and then the greeting, of course, which is quite common for Paul to give his normal greeting. And then we'll get into verses 3 through 6 here in a moment or two. But for the sake of uh, introducing this letter, it is a letter. We call it an epistle. Uh, an epistle, by the way, is not the wife of an apostle. An epistle is a letter. It is a, a uh, form of writing in which uh, uh, there is an address, and uh, there is someone he's writing to, and then he himself is doing the writing as it is uh, formulated in this way. This is a form of, of uh, what we would call New Testament literature uh, in writing letters, and many of uh, the uh, 
the books of the New Testament are letters. In fact, you could almost say that uh, the book of Luke is a letter. The book of Acts is a letter in some regards. Uh, and uh, you can go back and look at the introduction to those uh, larger books and discover that uh, that uh, the author is addressing a, a specific recipient. Now, that doesn't mean it only applies to that recipient, but it does mean that's the form of literature that it took uh, in order to write those particular um uh, books of the New Testament. And so it is with the uh, the Apostle Paul. And in fact, that's the way he in- introduces himself here as an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. And of course, uh, you can study the uh, the career of Paul, his salvation experience, as well as uh, his uh, uh, change of heart, his change of direction, his change of career, uh, and his whole uh, thing uh, is uh, recorded for us uh, pretty much in the book of Acts, although the book of Acts is not technically a biography of Paul uh, necessarily. It's more uh, an introduction to to the church and to the, the work of the church on earth and, and Jesus's work through the church on earth as a follow-up uh, to uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus's own work on earth. And um, so uh, the Apostle Paul just happens to be there uh, in the book of Acts as a part of that structure, and uh, we find that he was originally uh, uh, named Saul. Uh, that is a Hebrew name that means uh, to ask or to pray. It's a very godly name, you might say. In fact, it's a name taken from from uh, the original first king of Israel, and that would have been Saul. And uh, King Saul came, by the way, from the tribe of Benjamin, and we find out from uh, from Paul himself that that is a tribe that he is very prideful about because that's where he came from was from uh, the tribe of Benjamin. But uh, all of that pride and all of that uh, uh, education that the the Saul of Tarsus that's uh, it was his hometown according to Acts nine eleven uh, that. Uh, all of that education, he was he was uh, studied. That is, he studied under a, a famous rabbi by the name of Gamaliel, and uh, he was a, fa- a, a Pharisee and may have actually been a member of the Sanhedrin, although that uh, still seems to be a little unclear. But. Uh, he could have been, and he was there uh, as Saul of Tarsus uh, at the stoning of Stephen, and evidently that particular event made somewhat of an impression upon Saul of Tarsus. Uh, now, not immediately uh, uh, in a positive direction, uh, Saul of Tarsus uh, set about to to do more uh, persecution of Christians and try to wipe out uh, the Christian faith, but uh, uh, eventually he ended up uh, face-to-face with Jesus on the road to Damascus. Uh, and uh, and uh, he's, he spent uh, three years in the desert of uh, Nabataean Arabia, by the way, after he found the Lord Jesus. Uh, and uh, then he served for a while in the Syrian Antioch church alongside of three, uh, alongside of others uh, by the name of Barnabas and Simeon, uh, also known as uh, Niger. Also, uh, uh, he served alongside of Lucius of Cyrene and Menean there in that church. 
church. That was his his start, you might say, in uh, actual church ministry. Uh, Barnabas had to go retrieve him from Tarsus and uh, and bring him uh, to Syrian Antioch, and uh, then he he proceeded to uh, to go out on three uh, missionary tours. And this particular church, Ephesus, uh, at Ephesus, uh, was uh, started on his second missionary tour. So that's kind of a summary of why we find him here and why he's writing this letter. He is an apostle, which means he's designated by Jesus himself to represent Jesus himself. And uh, that's what an apostle does. He is set as an emissary or a uh, a sent one, uh, a delegated authority, you might say. And uh, this was delegated by Christ himself. And uh, and it is also by the will of God. Paul didn't uh, run for an election here in order to become an apostle. He didn't just go out and and uh, and order a plaque and put the plaque on his desk uh, and declare himself to be an apostle. This was uh, this was an event uh, with uh, certain eyewitnesses, by the way, even though they they may not have uh, quite understood exactly uh, what was being said, and yet they definitely saw the out outcome of what did happen once uh, Paul went uh, and and was discipled later. And uh, so they know the outcome of that, and it was completely consistent. Now, uh, he... um, he gives his testimony uh, in his own words, Paul does, in uh, Acts chapter 21, verse 39, through chapter 22, verse 21. There is a lengthy story that's told by Paul's own words, and, uh, and of course, the, the event itself is recorded uh, by Luke earlier in the book of Acts. Also, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 11, verse 11 through uh, chapter 2, verse 10, we find, uh, again, Paul's own personal testimony. Then, then we find another testimony which doesn't deal so much with the, uh, the actual historical uh, process or the historical experience as much as the spiritual and the character experience in the Apostle Paul as he was born again. And uh, the, the shift in his attention, the shift in his heart, the shift in his, um, his focus of priority uh, is outlined in Philippians chapter 3 verses 1 through 14. So we find that uh, he is writing to the saints at Ephesus, and the uh, the word saint here, as it's used in the New Testament, is completely a different kind of uh, a term than what we would normally think of, because uh, we can look up the word saint in our dictionary and not really even find a biblical definition. Uh, and uh, and yet, what we find here in the way that it's used in the New Testament is that the term saint was used of living believers who had not done anything basically yet. They hadn't performed any miracles. There was there was no supernatural manifestations necessarily. Uh, they were just believers. And in fact, uh, in, one, uh, in one case, in Corinth, they were called the saints uh, the same way. Uh, in chapter uh, uh, 1, verse 2 of 1 Corinthians, as well as chapter 1, verse 1 of 2 Corinthians, they're called 
called saints. And yet, if you read either one or both of those books, you'll discover that the uh, believers at uh, Corinth had a lot of flaws, had a lot of difficulties, and a lot of problems that they needed to overcome. But uh, they were still called saints. That doesn't mean their internal mechanisms were completely free of flaw. It does mean that they were in the position of being called a saint. That is who they were by virtue of who they were in Christ. And we're going to get to that because that's the very reason why we're studying the book of Ephesians is to find out who we are. And uh, we can only do that if we study who we are in relationship to Jesus Christ. So we'll get to that uh, later on. And of course, uh, it says that uh, the saints are at Ephesus, that is, and uh, in in a couple of major manuscripts, that that word is actually left out. It's kind of left blank, and it's almost as if it it gives us a hint that this particular letter might have been a circular letter, one that was intended to uh, to be read by many many churches in that region, and uh, and yet uh, it has uh, come down to us as written to uh, the saints at Ephesus who are faithful in Christ Jesus. That means they they not only are saints by position, they are uh, faithful by their own reputation. And it says, grace to you and peace. This is, this is the Apostle Paul's normal address to uh, a congregation, is using both the, the Greek address of grace and the Hebrew ad- address of peace or shalom and uh, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that God is our Father and uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is both, they are both uh, uh, the uh, the subject or the, uh, uh, the object of that preposition. There's only one preposition and that's a very odd thing to do for a former Pharisee to phrase anything else other than the name of God in the same position in a in a prepositional phrase that way that in itself gives you a declaration of who Paul believes to be Jesus Christ so we're going to be back right after this break then as part of the background for the church at Ephesus uh, that was uh, it was founded in his in Paul's uh, second missionary journey and at the time that he uh, he was there uh, Priscilla and Aquila were with him and uh, if you remember that couple they they also were tent makers the same way as Paul and so they were there with him at the time that uh, this church was planted and that's uh, recorded in Acts chapter 18 verses 18 through 21 and so his um, his 
audience at that church included both Jews and Gentiles uh, from not only the city itself, but uh, from the provincial outlying district, you might say. Uh, And you can find some of that uh, alluded to in Acts chapter 18, verses 27 and 28, as well as Acts chapter 19, verses uh, 9 and 10, also in uh, chapter 20, verse 3. Uh, Paul spent about three years on the next tour uh, in that city. So uh, that was sort of like his follow-up. Apollos had been there, if you recognize that name, uh, for a while, but Apollos, uh, by the time of the the, the follow-up of uh, uh, Paul coming back on his third missionary journey, Apollos had moved on to Corinth by that time. Uh, uh, Paul had actually uh, baptized about a dozen former followers of John the Baptist, and uh, they heard the gospel about Jesus for the first time, and they responded to that, and they were re-baptized, uh, and uh, that's, in, that's recorded in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. And uh, Paul took meetings uh, in, um, in a lecture hall uh, uh, that's named after the, a fellow by the name of Tyrannus, and that's in Acts chapter 19, verses 8 through 10. Uh, in fact, uh, the evangelistic uh, work there uh, was so effective and uh, uh, that uh, that it completely dried up the market for uh, for the sellers of of idols and uh, uh, we find that that was one of the greatest uh, uh, parts of persecution that uh, was experienced there at Ephesus was on behalf of Demetrius the silversmith who created such a protest and a riot over the fact that uh, his market had dried up and uh, there were nobody, uh, there weren't enough people buying his little uh, silver idols anymore and he wasn't making a living and uh, uh, that raised quite a bit of a stink. And uh, so on on Paul's last trip to Syria, um, uh, it wasn't necessarily uh, his uh, uh, a mission trip necessarily, but he was going back to uh, uh, Syria and eventually back to Jerusalem. Uh, but uh, he had some parting words to give to the elders of Ephesus, and that's recorded in Acts chapter 20, verses 17 through uh, 38. And that's quite a lengthy little uh, sermon there. But uh, it does give you an idea of Paul's own affection for this particular church and the uh, the elders of that church. Now, uh, this letter now is being sent back to Ephesus, and uh, it's being uh, uh, carried by a team of people or a, um, a committee, you might say, and that is Epaphroditus from Philippi is, uh, is one of uh, the members of that team, as well as Tychicus of Ephesus, uh, also Epaphroditus. Epaphras of Colossae and Onesimus of Colossae were all a part of the team who were the couriers of this letter. And so then we come to the beginning of this, the main body of the epistle, the main body of the letter, and that is in verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now that's just the first verse, but for 14 verses, Verses. Paul spends one sentence, and uh, in the Greek language, that is, it is one complete sentence all the way down through verse 14. And uh, 
So you find that uh, this is this is quite a wordy thing, and we're trying to going to try to uh, exposit this by breaking it up, and we do somewhat of an injustice to it by breaking it up into into uh, uh, different episodes, and yet we also have to do justice to exactly what he's saying, and uh, and in order to do that, we have to break it up. So if if you want to read through verse three all the way through verse fourteen you will find that uh, that uh, Paul doesn't let up. He just keeps on going. Now, the English translations, they put uh, commas and periods in places there, so it makes it a little more readable for the English audience. Uh, but uh, this, this entire paragraph and this entire uh, 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 section, really, uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, talk about our position in Christ. And we're going to be talking a lot about that, and we're going to launch here uh, about that, because the first thing in chapter 1 is is our position as a body, and chapter 2 is our position as a temple, and chapter 3 is our position as a mystery. And uh, all of those things are very, very important. But for now, we're going to focus in on the first part uh, and the first paragraph, really, of, uh, of in the English translation of our position as a body. And so he begins actually with this doxology, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, it's a form of worship for these, for these verses. And uh, these are first 14 verses are worship back to God because of what Paul wants to do is acknowledge God's work in the life of these believers and the life of this church. And this is God's work. And Paul wants to recognize it as God's work. Notice he said that he was an apostle by the will of God. Well, they are believers by the will of God. And that's what he wants to get across. So he starts verses 3 through 14 as praise for the spiritual possession that they have. And that that includes being chosen by the Father, redeemed by the Son, and sealed by the Spirit. So we only have time enough today to talk about being chosen by the Father, verses 3 through 6. So it says, he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, that is, uh, um, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, I got my phrases uh, a little bit confused there. And so it says, that's at the end of verse 3. So uh, that's part of our blessing. We've been placed in heavenly places. Heaven isn't so much a destination. It's an address for our identity. We need to get to that and need to understand that. This isn't a, uh, heaven is not a place that we go to eventually if we're good enough. Heaven is a place that God places us in immediately once we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. This is a, a this in this uh, long beatitude, and uh, that beatitude starts with this. Second uh, uh, Peter uh, chapter one verse three says something very similar, seeing that that His divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. So this this heavenly places could accurately be translated. Uh, 
into literally the heavenlies. We've been placed there. We've been set there. This is a work of the Spirit of God who puts us in this place in a spiritual way. Uh, We didn't change our earthly location. Uh, Our bodies didn't shift, although Paul himself gives a testimony that somewhere along in his uh, experience that the Spirit of God took him to heaven to see some things there that he can't uh, tell us about. But uh, that's in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, by the way. But in uh, in many regards, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink in one spirit. That means when we trusted Jesus as our Savior, when we trusted that he paid the penalty for our sins, when we repented of those sins and came to faith in him, that was a work of God upon our hearts. And then, not only that, uh, the Holy Spirit took us, spiritually speaking, and placed us into a spiritual address. We've been uploaded already into the heavenlies. That is our heavenly address already. We've been placed there. This is a spiritual work. I can't describe it any further than that. I can't explain it any further than that, except for the Holy Spirit did that to us and took our souls took our hearts, took our minds, took who we were and uh, and placed us in the heavenlies uh, in Christ Jesus. This is the work of God that he did on our behalf. And so, so that's part of it. And then verse four, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That, uh, and uh, this is a very tricky uh, uh, set of phrases here, but let's not stop. Uh, let's, let's continue to read through this. In him uh, that is before him, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Christ, Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise uh, of the glory of his grace. Notice that this talks about some very heavy-duty kind of words, and those heavy-duty words have become associated with some uh, very uh, controversial subjects, you might say. And yet, what? look at exactly what he's saying here. He has chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Our chosenness is because we're in him. Uh, it's, it's not as if God picked us out to get saved. Uh, that's not necessarily what he's saying here. What he is saying that in Christ Jesus, we become chosen. We are now chosen because we're in him. And we now inherit a destiny. That's what verse 5 is about. He predestined us to adoption as son. This adoption isn't a child adoption, uh, even though that does take place. This is an adult adoption into an inheritance. So that uh, what this means is, that uh, those who have now become believers in Christ now have a purpose. They now have a destiny. That destiny is to be conformed to Christ's image. That destiny is to stand before Christ one day. That destiny is, uh, is the kind intention of God's will. That destiny is the purpose of God over our life. And uh, that's what he predestined uh, is so that those believers now have 
have a goal, and God's goal has now been established for us. And let's assure our hearts about God's purposes. And one of his purpose is is that... uh, that we uh, uh, have been chosen to be holy and blameless before him. And that is one of his purposes. And that doesn't happen overnight, but it will happen. That's what he has ordained us to become, to be holy and blameless. And to this adult uh, position as sons to inherit the inheritance along with our uh, elder brother, you might call him, uh, Jesus, our Savior and our Lord and our Master. And it's in him that we possess this place and this position of blessing. And uh, what a great thing that God has done. And it, sometimes we focus so much upon upon what we do, and it's not so much about what we do. It's about what God has done to put us in this place and to direct our lives once we are in this place toward a purpose that's bigger than us, toward a purpose that has a goal, has a target, has a, a benefit. Uh, and uh, we we just rejoice in that. Paul rejoices in it. He started with rejoicing by blessing God uh, for this blessing that we have of, uh, of being seated in Christ Jesus. And we're going to get into this uh, way more deeply as we go through this first chapter of the book of Ephesians. Father, thank you for these words of encouragement, these words of instruction. Give us the faith to believe these words to be true for us, that those of us who've trusted Christ as our Savior, trusted Him and followed Him, repented of our sins and believed upon His death as the payment for our sin, that the Holy Spirit has now taken us to heaven already, placed us in Christ Jesus, and we reap the benefits. Thank you, Father, and we give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendal Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.